Welcome to Behind the Bookshelves. My name is Richard Davis and this Abe Books podcast is dedicated to telling the stories behind books and the people who love them. Today I'm joined by Hilary Atlio who operates Iron Dog Books along with her husband uh, Cliff uh, in out of Vancouver, BC, Canada just across the water from where I'm located. Now I say operate, perhaps I should say drive because Iron Dog Books is a red van packed full of new and used books. It's a mobile bookstore that Cliff and Hillary use to bring affordable reading to people in Vancouver. In people in Vancouver. Uh, welcome Hillary. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Alright, so this is a, a wonderful idea. Um, where did your mobile bookstore, how did it all start and where did the idea come from? Oh, this is such a good question. I was working in a bookshop in Edmonton called the Wee Book Inn. It's a sort of a local chain of, at the time, four secondhand bookshops in 2010. And uh, it was sort of around the rise of the food truck, you know, when food trucks became really popular and creative. And they were really kind of entering the zeitgeist. And it was it was really an organic melding of seeing that happen and my coworkers and I saying, you know, wouldn't it be adorable if we had a bookshop in a truck that was just like that? It was part of the, f- the food truck scene, sort of food for your brain. And then we, my husband was doing his PhD, so we moved around a lot and we had two kids and, you know, <laughs> we did all, all sorts of life things while working towards opening our own sort of proper shop that doesn't drive around. And when we moved to Vancouver, there are just such immense affordability barriers here in Vancouver that the book truck started to seem less like sort of a funny, charming thing and more like a really practical thing and the right way to do our business. So when you made the decision to become mobile, mobile booksellers, um, where did you find the van? Uh, and perhaps I'm interested to, th- to hear how you put shelves into a van. <laughs> Yeah, there. Um, after I started the truck, there we get a lot of customers who come in and, and reference other experiences they've had or the ways that this has entered their imagination. And one of the things that gets referenced relatively frequently was a book that I hadn't heard of called The Bookshop on the Corner by Jenny Colgan. And in that, it's about a woman who starts a mobile shop um, in a truck. And I actually read it recently because a customer brought me a copy to say I think this is you and in that she you know buys the van and then she orders shelves and they somehow magically fit and I can tell you that that is not my experience of buying a truck um, and having a conversion. Um, We bought the truck from a local dealer here who imports secondhand vehicles like this so you know it was originally a medical services van in California and I don't mean an ambulance, I mean, it, I think it went to people's houses and and then they provided medical services in people's houses. Anyway, so when we got it, it was full of metal racking. And so the first thing we had to do, it was all riveted in, and I don't know if you know the difference between rivets and screws, but screws unscrew and rivets have sort of a dome on the top so that you can't remove them. Yeah, they look rather permanent. Yeah, they, they, they super are. And uh, so the first thing we had to do was to get all the metal racking out with, with 
the rivets, which meant zip cutting or drilling out all of the rivets. Um, and so we knew this was going to be a really enormous job, and I also knew I was going to need help with the build. Uh, and I had spoken to tons of contractors who didn't, um, who would say things to me like, well, where's your power going to come from? And I would say, I don't actually know, and I was hoping you'd help me with that. Um, so my dad actually actually suggested calling boat builders because they're used to projects like this, and I called Commodore's Boats in at Shelter Island Marina in Delta, and actually um, he said to me, you, you mean it's a rectangle? And I said, yeah, it's a rectangle. And he says, and it stays on land. And I said, yeah, it stays on land. He said, just bring it down. It'll be really easy. So, because they're <laughs> used to, right? <laughs> they're used to ocean-going ves vessels right. that are all curved. Um, so we brought down there, and they helped me get all the metal racking out. And then we custom-built the interior. So the shelves are wooden? The shelves are, they're actually, they're all plywood. And then we put trim on them to make them look a little bit, more like hardwood. Um, I worked with this amazing guy named Ron there who's a master carpenter and we also had a welder and an electrician get it in the boat. It's one of the awesome things about working with the shipyard guys because they have all sorts of expertise in different fields because that's how boats work. And um, so the other really cool thing about the conversion is that I didn't just drop it off. I went and the owner of Commodore's Bow said to me, you know, this project's going to be a lot faster and easier if you come out and work every day, um, which I really enjoyed, but also was surprised by because I never really met professionals like that who really like it when somebody who's totally new just shows up and wanders around the shipyard, you know, attempting to help. But they really, really welcomed me, and I did. I spent two and a half weeks going out to the shipyard every day. They work from, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's seven to two or something like that. And so get out there early in the morning and work on the truck. It was really satisfying. So what is the the goal? What's the mission of Iron Dog Books? Well, we, we started with this idea that there are huge areas of Vancouver that are really underserved by bookshops. Um, we run into, as I mentioned, a lot of significant issues with affordability. I think bookshops provide community space they do interesting events they are this really important third space for people to just go and exist and be people and they prompt intellectual discussion there's just so many important things about having bookshops and other other arts related things like that in our communities and because of the affordability issues in Vancouver there are as I said just really substantial areas that don't have bookshops so we thought if we put it in the truck we can not only serve our community where we live, which is up on top of Burnaby Mountain, but we can go to other parts of Vancouver and make sure that books are still present. Book ownership is still a possibility for people. So how does it work when you decide you're going to go somewhere? How do you let people know you're going to be there? That, this, is, this has actually been... Uh, you know, there you don't just start something and then it turns out everybody knows who you are um, and also understands how it works. So we do a couple things. We have a calendar on our website, which I try and update regularly and well in advance so people can plan when they're going to meet us. I also put it out through social media, primarily through Instagram. We update our bio every week to reflect the current week states, if we're open or not, and then I'll 
we post when we get places and with our exact location. Um, and those are sort of the main ways. The deciding where we go and so w one of the other ways is that the events we decide to go to will often say that we're going to be a part of it and we'll make sure that people know, especially when we go to places like Squamish or even at New West, places that don't have bookshops of their own, they, the events themselves will often say, the book truck is coming, so make sure to come and get your books. Right. Because one thing I notice with food trucks is, although they are also a mobile business, they're often uh, regularly at a certain place. Mondays, they might always be at a certain farmer's market, or Tuesdays, they're always at a certain parking lot or something like that. But you, you're quite varied. You seem to go all over the place. Well, there. so this is, this is actually related to the mission, the idea of what our mission is as well. What we found when we were starting the bookshop is that there isn't a license to be mobile and do retail in Metro Vancouver. And, you, and you'll find that all over North America, actually. Getting a license to go out and roll around on the street selling things is a real challenge. They, we fall under a category called in Burnaby called, I think, peddlers, hucksters, and hawkers or something like that. <laughs> really? Yes, it's in the bylaws. It hasn't been updated since they wrote the bylaws. So I, I didn't really love the idea of being a huckster, but I was kind of into the idea of being a peddler. Um, but they have these rules where you're not allowed to stop for more than 10 minutes in any place and things like that. You know, it's to accommodate uh, ice cream trucks. And then also you're not allowed to sell sort of non-food items. So it's... It's just a really significant barrier for mobile retail, and it's something that I hope we can address in Metro Vancouver because of the affordability issue. As I said, there are a lot of industries where I think we could have a lot of success if we were able to have proper licenses. Um, I do, do want to say that the food trucks, when they, again, about 10 years ago, when they originally started to uh, get very creative and become very big, there wasn't a license for them either, and they had to go through a whole set of lobbying all you know all over north america to get food tr truck zones created and they pay quite a bit for their license but there are zones where they can park and that's why you can find them regularly where they're like this is our date you know we're right. in olympic village on monday through wednesday in this food truck zone and i think that that's something we need to explore for mobile retail because you know i mean olympic village is maybe a good example there isn't a bookshop terribly proximate to there although you can go up commercial drive um or some of the beaches, they could have mobile retail zones where we could go and be serving the public better. Right. So when you show up at a location or a festival or something like that, and people step into the van for the first time, how do they react? We get... You, um, it's a lot of feelings. <laughs> it's something that I... You know, when we were building it and I was designing it and I kind of had a picture in my head of how it was going to look, I knew we had to make something that was an experience. It's part of the reason why we chose the vehicle we did, because I wanted it to be extremely truckish on the outside, and then once you're inside, just completely feel like you're in kind of a cozy British bookshop or something, you know, like, a, like I want it to feel like it's always existed. Um, and that's, that's what people feel. We get a lot of comparisons to Hogwarts or Baker Street. We, a lot of people talk about, I know, which I, is just the most flattering thing. Um, we get a lot of com people talking about the, this sense of magic or imagination or, or, you know, I think in many ways, 
the bookshop is the book truck I mean is like a heightened experience of what you have when you go into bookshop you know it's this bookshops are always full of thousands of doors to other worlds but because the truck is just so unusual for people you really have like a deep visceral sense of like I'm stepping into just an, another thing you know like another place another world so do you have a, a favorite moment perhaps where someone's been really flabbergasted or found a special book or just said something very special to you yeah there's even just the other night when we were in new west at this absolutely enormous food truck festival um i think they said last year there was 150,000 people there and there was a woman i think she's maybe about my age or a little younger kind of you know, early 30s, and she was just standing at the bottom of the steps looking up into the truck with just this total, and she, and I could see her, she'd kind of wander away and come back and look into it. It was really crowded, and I was shelving, and finally she leaned over and she said to me, I just, you know, like, I just am so excited that this exists, and it's just really making me happy, and not that that's the only moment, but that that to generate that amount of feeling in people is has been really. I I wasn't totally emotionally prepared for it, honestly. Right. Yeah. It must be similar to when you're in a strange town and you're walking down the street and you love bookshops and out of the blue you walk. There's one there on your right or your left, and of course you have to go in because it looks magical. That yeah, that's exactly. I I just you know I mean I love it, but. I'm I'm used to me thinking of I knew that it was an unusual thing and you know when we very first started I would phone people and I would say to them we're um, you know this is what we're doing and we have a truck and we've renovated into a little bookshop on the inside and people would say to me I don't think that's for us you know like events and things like that like I, they just couldn't understand it and now we've reached this point we're two years in where I'll call people and I'll explain what we're doing and say we should come and they'll say oh I've been seeing things like this around and I'm like it's me it's me I'm you're seeing me <laughs> I'm the one I'm the book truck and um, it's I think that there's just something there's just something really exciting about the fact that in two years we can go from being this totally foreign object that that doesn't make any sense to being to have having entered the cultural diaspora here in Vancouver you know to having people say yes I see this and I understand what it is and I like it and I want more of it right so what type of books do you offer inside the van oh I have this thing I say to people where I say we're the world's smallest full-service bookstore because we do a little bit of everything uh, we primarily offer children's fiction so picture books but also children's novels and adult fiction so those are our two biggest categories it's about one-third kids content one-third adult fiction one-third non-fiction but then the non-fiction is split up into we bring cooking and crafting we have um, a full shelf of indigenous studies both my husband and I are native and so we really try and bring a very uh, tight highlight section of indigenous studies where you know it it takes up a proportionately large amount of space in the truck but it's something that we think is really important um poetry and plays and then i have a very broad non-fiction category called cultural studies which includes um everything <laughs> everything else that isn't biographies 
So I imagine the children's section does very well when you yeah. show up and parents are, I don't know, leading their kids around a festival or something like that. Yeah, it's really cool how kids see the truck and they're like, this is for me. Like, they just know that the truck is, they're meant to go in and they're meant to find things. And I think it does do really well. But I think the thing that is maybe more surprising to me is that the reason why it's only one third is because that's about the amount of our sales that it makes up. It, it's, it does proportionately well for the amount of space we give it. Um, right. Yeah, which is and but increasing space when because so this is what's surprising is that it isn't just a kid thing that people in this city are are really and over the lower mainland in general are really hungry for books and for access to them and for the particular curatorial bent that we bring to the store you know where we're not we don't we don't have a ton of space so we're, i'm not i don't have a massive science section you know i have a half a dozen really great science books that i hope people are interested in so perhaps we should explain that to people who don't really know bc so well but vancouver is a big fast growing city but yeah. it's mm -hmm. plagued by super high rents super high property values that really are squeezing out independent retailers across the city. Yeah, we run into a particular issue in the Lower Mainland uh, where we have triple net leases. And so that means that the tenant of any commercial property pays um, the not only the rent on the property and not only the maintenance, but also the taxes. And so when the property values have, you know, gone up, 20 or 30 percent year over year for the last five years your property taxes have gone up proportionately to that and so what you see is places that five years ago might have signed a lease for two thousand dollars now leasing out for four thousand dollars or more um, to accommodate the competitiveness for the leases and also this property tax element um, so it it's really a challenge, especially in an industry like ours, where the margins can be quite slim because the prices are controlled by the publishers. Um, and so, you know, we're in Vancouver, but we're paying the same amount for our books as somebody who lives in a small town and maybe owns their building and has done for 40 years or something like that. So, It sounds a peculiar situation, really. I, I guess it, push, it pushes stores that can survive to the edge of the city which means you need a car to get there or something like that or even out into the rural areas oh actually so this is one of the things about vancouver yeah there i can totally see why that would be the the assumption but what we found in vancouver is that if you are in the central part of vancouver you're doing very well because there is even though the rents are high in the central part of vancouver they uh the shops are doing there's just tons of foot traffic, you know, and they're, right. and they're relatively close together and there's lots of tourists. And so you get all those sorts of things. It's when you get just outside the central core of Vancouver proper into Metro Vancouver. So where we are based, which is in Burnaby or Coquitlam or New Westminster, um, which are sort of suburbs, I, I call it a donut. So like the donut hole is really healthy because there's lots of traffic. But if you get out into the ring of the donut, they're, the rents are very similar to what they are down, down downtown. You know, they maybe drop by 10, 15%, but the foot right. traffic drops by 80 or 90%. And so you wind up with these large swaths of areas where there's people who live and maybe commute someplace else to work and they don't have, they don't have uh, as healthy of an independent shopping scene. 
I see, I see. So the name, Iron Dog, where does that come from? Does it have any significance? Yeah, it, it does. We had a dog, um, and his name was Buckley, and I always called him the Cast Iron Dog because we, I got him for, as a puppy in 2008, and then we moved him 10 times in 10 years, you know? And in some cases it was more, because maybe it wasn't a proper move, but we took him across the country from Edmonton to Ontario for the summer, and then he lived in Ontario for the summer, and then we went back to Edmonton kind of thing. So he, he was just, I always said he was totally bomb-proof and called him the cast iron dog because he could eat anything. He was just ridiculously sturdy, never needed supplemental vet care. Right. Yeah, and so we were going to call it Black Dog Books, but there are a few other shops called Black Dog Books, and we were talking about putting it in a truck, and my sister said to me, well, why don't you call it Iron Dog Books? It'll be just like, you know, the an iron horse. <laughs> Indeed. It sounds like a perfect name. So have you always been in the, the book selling business? All, almost. I finished university with a social sciences degree, you know, in political science in 2008. And then I spent um, one year, I went home and I hung out on my reserve with my family members and spent some time with my family learning how to do some more traditional things. And then I uh, moved back out here to be with my now husband and spent one year as an intern for the government and then from that went directly into book selling so it's your it's the future really it's what it's your lifestyle it's what you've chosen it's my total career and i love it and i think i don't i'm sure that anybody who's interested in book selling has seen the show black books but i always think about when he's when bernard is trying to recruit manny in the show black books and he says to him well the pay is low but the work is hard <laughs> <laughs> but you always want to sell the books right you you don't judge <laughs> you're not judging your customers and thinking this book is too good for them no no there <laughs> oh no you mean the way the way bernard does in black books no yeah, yeah. <laughs> no actually they're i don't know if it's problematic or not but my one of my main things is that i I'm really anti-snobbery. You know, it was Roger Ebert who talked about how he doesn't go into a film and judge it by some sort of universal standard. You know, like he doesn't sit there in a romance, like a romantic comedy and say, this is the worst Western I've ever seen. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And that's how I feel about reading and literature is that you don't, you know, there are times when the most appropriate thing is to read Tolstoy and there are times when the most appropriate thing is to I don't know read John Grisham or something like there are just there the books all serve a purpose and I think they need to be judged by their own genre yes it's a it's definitely a, a dead-end road if you start judging people by the books they read interesting <laughs> though it is we all do it sometimes those thoughts need to be kept to themselves to ourselves yeah yeah no yeah Honestly, like they're, I always say to people, if you can do your own accounting and you have empathy, then you'd be a really good bookseller because walking around with a bunch of, you know, preconceived notions and, and having an English degree aren't actually super useful because people are really diverse and they have really diverse interests and they come to you and they say things like, I, oh, I just read the most profound Harlequin romance and you're like, all right, tell me about it. I want to know what you think is good about this and maybe you'll convert me to being a huge fan. 
So, uh, last question, and I'll give everyone a chance to judge your book selection. Perhaps you can tell me uh, what book or books you are reading currently. Oh, this is, this is, you know, I'm a bookseller, so I'm always reading a whole bunch of things. Yeah, um, that's what I well, expected. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of times I don't necessarily read for myself. Not to say that the books I read aren't good. Um, so all this is to say that the last thing I read for myself that I just really loved so much was um, Trickster Drift by Eden Robinson. It's the second one in her trilogy, which started with Son of a Trickster. And I am not sure when the third one's coming out. But Eden Robinson is a local-ish writer. She's based in Kitimat up up you know, I don't really want to say up north because it's really only halfway up British Columbia, but she's based in Kitimat and then is down in Vancouver somewhat and it's just a phenomenal urban fantasy. You know, I can't recommend it enough, especially as an Indigenous person reading an Indigenous book. I just loved everything about it. Uh, what else have I been reading lately? Usually people have a pile by their bedside table. I know, I do. I have a really, really enormous pile. I've, the, one of the issues is I've been getting a bunch of arts and things that are, you know, maybe maybe not out yet. So I've been reading a lot of that to make decisions about what I'm going to order. Okay. Yeah. Never mind, that's good enough. That's good enough. Uh, so, that's all we have time for this week. I want to say a huge thank you to Hilary Atlio for joining us. Good luck with your book selling and good luck with your travels. You can learn more about Cliff and Hilary's mobile bookstore by visiting irondogbooks.com, irondogbooks.com. And you can also find them on Instagram under the irondogbooks handle. Um, now, the website has a calendar so you can see where they are heading to around uh, the Vancouver region. Uh, so thank you Hilary thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me lovely um, if you have a book related story to tell then do let me know by emailing podcast at abebooks.com I'd love to hear from you and thank you for listening and we'll see you all next time <laughs>